Welcome to the Sales Influence Podcast, where we talk about finding the why in how people buy. I'm your host, Victor Antonio, and today I'm dipping into my email again. I'm getting a lot of emails. I'm doing my best to keep up with them. Now, before I jump into it, I want to remind you guys, my Sales Mastery Academy platform is up and running. Go to salesmasteryacademy.us, not .com, .us. Check out what I have there, 24 courses, 300 plus videos, my 12 books on sales and motivation, webinars, and so much more. I've priced this against that anybody can afford it. Check it out. Now, today's email comes from Anthony LaVersa. Just like saying that last part, LaVersa. Anthony has a problem. Now, it says, Victor, he says, I'm a sleep expert and I sell beds. Is there such a thing as sleep experts, Anthony? I don't know. There probably is. In fact, you own one made by my company. How do you know that, Anthony? How do you know I own your bed? Now, he probably knows that because I've mentioned in my past podcast, probably, that I own a sleep number bed. He continues, although I have been very successful throughout my career, my numbers have slowly been getting worse for the last year. I've gone from number one to last on my team. I'm glad you reached out. After speaking with my peers, I feel that I have I have identified information asymmetry as my primary problem. The issue is that I cannot seem to put myself in the customer's shoes. Well, first of all, Anthony, let me just stop here. You don't need to put yourself in the customer's shoes. You need to put yourself in the customer's pajamas. Get it? You're a sleep expert. Feel that. In other words, he continues, I don't understand how to simplify the information that I provided to them. I don't want my customers to feel as though I'm giving them too much information, but I also don't want them to feel as though they cannot feel confident about making a buying decision. I believe that I can give them as much information as I do because I'm trying to block common objections later on in the sales process. What advice can you give me to ensure that I'm blocking frequent objections before they arise while still reducing information asymmetry? He adds, Victor, you're awesome. I know if anyone can help me, it will be you, your friend and supporter, Anthony LaVersa. First of all, thank you, Anthony, man. You're awesome also. Now, this is a tough one, so let's break it down, Anthony. You're trying to sell. You think you don't know if you're giving them too much information or not enough information, and you think information asymmetry is your primary problem. Now, you're trying to block objections because, again, like any good salesperson, you want to block objections throughout the sales process. So let's say that your conversation with folks who come to your store or wherever the sales happen is, let's say, 30 minutes. Within those 30 minutes, you want to block common objections. So we got two things we want to talk about, information asymmetry and blocking objections, and how do you go about that? Now. Let's talk about information asymmetry. For those of you who don't recall, because you didn't listen to my older podcast, shame on you. Please go back and listen to them. Information asymmetry is basically when you ever have that, you ever talk to a salesperson and the jargon, the technical talk is so complicated that your brain is like in a Gordian knot. You feel like you're listening to a Rube Goldberg machine, right? It doesn't make sense. So your brain locks up and you remember the saying that a confused mind will never make a decision? So what happens is because you're not understanding everything, you're not getting it, your brain says, let's not make a decision. Let me think about it. Let's not make a decision. Salesperson, let me think about it. I'll get back to you. Let me give it some thought. 
And that's because the brain is confused. When the brain is confused, the brain won't make a decision. That's information asymmetry. Now, as sales professionals, what we have to do is to avoid sales asymmetry and create symmetry. In other words, avoid asymmetry, create symmetry. What does that mean? Asymmetry is when you, the salesperson, know way more than the customer, and the customer feels like it's just too much. The information is overwhelming. Now, you have a choice here. You can try to educate the actual client, right, and bring them up to your level. That's one option. Or you can simplify what you're trying to say so they get it. Now, imagine this. If you can educate them, move their IQ points up on this topic, and at the same time simplify the information, you should be able to achieve information symmetry. That's when the client goes, ah, I get it, Victor. I understand what you're saying. I clearly understand. That is when you have information symmetry. When you have information symmetry, the customer gets it because the customer gets it, his sense of certainty goes up. When his sense of certainty goes up, he is more likely or she is more likely to make a buying decision. So again, educate our customers, but also simplify our conversation. So Anthony, what I want you to do is look at your information and say, how can I educate them a little more? And at the same time, how can I simplify the information? Well, let me suggest, I use a lot of visuals. I use a lot of analogies or metaphors. You know, for example, an analogy may say, look, uh, um, you know, a leaky faucet's like a bucket with a hole at the bottom. You may not be able to see the dripping, but it's happening, right? Or something like that. Find a way to simplify the concept so the customer goes, ah, I get it. So it isn't that you want to give them too much information. Maybe you're giving them the proper information, but just by simply adding a visual, you know, using an analogy, a simile, whatever it is to demonstrate what you're trying to show, that will create some information symmetry. So let, let, now let's talk about the objections as far as taking the client's point of view, right? Okay, a client walks in. I've been a customer of sleep number beds, right? Love my sleep number bed, zero complaints, love it, right? Now, when I walked in, you know, my point of view was that, you know, I was, you know, again, you're not sleeping right. Because you're not sleeping right, you know, you want to go in and see if this really works because the beds are adjustable, right? And the problem with mattresses is, this, is that you, until you get them home and sleep on them, you really can't tell if they're comfortable or not. And if they're too hard, you're screwed because now you're stuck with that hard mattress. If they're too soft, well, guess what? You're screwed again because you're stuck with it. The benefits of a sleep number mattress is that you can adjust it as you go along. In fact, you can adjust it all year. So you can actually change that firmness or that softness throughout the year. That's the flexibility. That's the real benefit benefit of that mattress. The only real objection I saw when I was buying this product, the only real objection, ironically enough, was price. Ironically enough, the biggest objection I had in my head is, well, how much is this going to cost? And immediately, the salesperson I dealt with, Anthony, used two tactics on me. He, he asked me basically, Victor, in your lifetime, over the next, let's say, 20, 30 years, how many mattresses do you think you'll buy? And I was like, I don't know, you know, three, four? And then he says, well, how much do you think those will cost? And then he went down that line, right? And he got me to thinking about how many mattresses would I buy? And then he asked me a stupid question, but it was a brilliant question. He said, Victor, how often do you use that mattress? I said, what do you mean, how often do I use it? He goes, every, I go, every day, of course, you idiot. I didn't say the idiot part. He says, you use it every day, and sometimes you take a nap during the day, so you probably use it twice during the day. So imagine that this is something that you're going to use at least 365 times a year, right? And so if you're saying that 
X amount of price is expensive, you know, divide that by the number of times you're going to use it over the next 20, 30 years, and you can just see this is costing you pennies on the dollar. In other words, he, re he was reducing the price to the ridiculous, right? Great strategy. But that question about how often do you sleep on your bed, I'm like, what? And he made me start thinking about something called the utilization factor, right? The more we use something, the more, I guess, the return on investment is there, right? Because if, you're, if you only use something once, if you buy something for $100 and you used it once, well, that thing costs you $100 for one use. But if I bought the same $100 item and I used it 100 times, well, it really only cost me a, th a dollar every time I use it. $1 versus 100, that's utilization, right? So he really harped on that. He talked about back pains, right? Or, you know, you know, sometimes you get up as you get older, you know, your back starts hurting, you're not feeling it. You need to find ways to adjust. And he kept selling me on the, you can adjust this, Victor. One week you want it firmer, one week you want it softer. That's what's great about this bed. It's all about you, Victor. And then he showed me some of the cool technology, and that was impressive. But then he did something that was interesting. He said, Victor, just go ahead and lay on the bed. And I'm sure you do this as well, Anthony. And that's when he walked me through this. And he kept changing the firmness, the numbers. He says, you know, there's going to be times where, let's say, you're playing, you know, basketball or something. You're going to come back and you really want the bed to be hard so, you know, so it really supports your back. So I would suggest this number. He went to a real firm one. And then sometimes you're going to just really want to get that deep sleep, Victor, so you want to go soft. So I would suggest this. And he kept putting me in that scenario. He wasn't in my shoes. He was in my pajamas. I mean, that guy was in my head. He understood how to sell me. So what I am saying to you, Anthony, that really the only objection most people have with this bed that I can think of is going to be price. Everything else is really a minor objection because when we talk about utilization, you're going to get great utilization out of the mattress. As far as, you know, again, too big, too small, you guys offer so many options. So again, I don't know what all the objections are, but the biggest one I had was price, and that wasn't a real one. As soon as he demonstrated value, the salesperson demonstrated value. In fact, it was a she that demonstrated the value. Now I think about it. When she demonstrated the value, I was like, she gets it. She understands. And so again, don't get out of your head. Don't think so much. Keep it simple. Sometimes the best presentations are those that are just conversations, not presentations. But again, get me involved. Talk to me about you know my point of view. Ask me if I'm sleeping right. Why am I not sleeping right? You know, what would I like to change? And then, you know, make me get into that bed. Work with the numbers work, you know, with me. And also, you know, remind me how often that you need a bed, the utilization factor. You know, again, forget the technical stuff for a while and focus on my comfort. It's great to block objections throughout the presentation, but I need you to focus on the customer experience when they're in the store, they're in that bed, they're laying there, they're going through the process, really put them in the moment. It's not so much about information asymmetry as it is about empathy connecting with the client, understanding where they're coming from. They're not sleeping well. They're crabby. It's impacting their productivity at work, you know, because they're not getting enough sleep. Really tie all these things together, Anthony, into your presentation. How is not sleeping well impacting their life? How is it impacting their personal life? How is it impacting their professional life because they're arriving to work tired? How is all this impacting them? And then remind them that it's not about price because what you're trying to do is improve their quality of life. You take that approach, Anthony, I think you'll go back to number one. That's it for this Sales Influence Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to leave me some feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, or YouTube. You know the deal. Let me know what you think. I would greatly appreciate it. 
Also, I'm trying to go through all my emails, so if I haven't answered yours, uh, I'll do my best to get to it. Also, check out my new online sales training platform I've already mentioned, the Sales Mastery Academy. Over 24 courses, 300 plus videos, 12 books on sales and motivation written by yours truly, webinars, and so much more. I've priced it so that anyone can get on the platform. So if you're serious about increasing your sales ability, go to salesmasteryacademy.us, not .com, .us, salesmasteryacademy.us. Lastly, I want to thank you for listening. This is Victor Antonio always reminding you, selling ain't hard when you know how. Take care. Hi, I'm Victor Antonio. I'm an author, sales trainer, and keynote speaker. I'm often asked, what makes a great speaker? Is it someone who delivers real content that the audience can use? Is it someone who engages the audience so they're part of the learning experience? Or is it someone who can motivate an audience to push them beyond their comfort zone and discover new abilities? The answer is yes. But the most important thing to remember is that I'm not there to look good. I'm there to make my client look good. Simply put, it's never about me and it's always about them.